We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we recorded this podcast last night. Um, that would be Monday night. And we obviously could not put it out without adding a another segment here. Uh, so we're back night two, but uh, very, very unfortunate to be back to talk about this today in training. Uh, Cam Akers tore his Achilles, which is one of the worst injuries you could have in sports. Uh, he's done for the year, so that is a massive piece of, of the Rams' puzzle this year and of their offense gone. Um, just a, just fucking brutal. Man, that is not, not the news I wanted to open my phone this morning. Uh, Johnny Johnny is here. I, I mean, how are you dealing with this, man? I, I just I feel terrible for Akers. It's his second year. Um, it is an injury that... Of the small sample size of players that have had it, as running backs, nobody's really bounced back, but none of them are the talent and age of Cam Akers, really. So there's not really, like, there's just not really a sample, a meaningful sample to me to gauge how he's going to recover from this. But just a lost year for him, and hopefully it's just that. Hopefully it's just one year, and he gets back to form. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that you'll hear in this podcast is, you know, Steve and I being really confident and uh, in this Rams offense. And a big part of that reason is because of Cam Akers. Not to say that the Rams offense is nothing without him because, hey, you know, this still a talented offense. But obviously Cam Akers is, is one of the – is one of the better players on this roster uh, and being so young, you know, it, it, it just, it's heartbreaking to hear any kind of injury and to hear one that severe is, eh, it, it sucks, man. And, you know, the season hadn't even really started yet. hadn't even gone to training camp or, or uh, the preseason yet. So it just it sucks, man. You know, not the news you want to hear and, you know, I wish him a speedy recovery, but man, that not not a good not a good sign for the Rams uh, to start off the year. Yeah, it is. Uh, not no nobody can be happy about this. Uh, it's just just brutal. Um, yeah, you know, I'm still confident in the team, but this is uh, something you're gonna have to 
solve for, and it's a, it's a big loss. It's one of who you would expect to be one of the most productive players on your offense with a, with a new quarterback coming in. It's not, not ideal to not have this guy. Um, so it's just, it's just a bummer, man. And I mean, there's, there's not really much more to be said about Cam himself. I mean, we're not, I, I Derek will be on tomorrow. Uh, he'll have more detailed thoughts cause we're just kind of, we just want to make sure we said something. It's not in terms of the injury, man. There's not, much more to say it's it's a horrible injury uh athletes have come back from it i mean most notably kevin durant tore his achilles two years ago and he just had a absolute monster season in the nba terrell suggs tore his achilles and had a lot of productive seasons after that there's just no not a lot of sample in terms of running backs and unfortunately there's no success stories but like i mentioned you know the the highest caliber player who suffered an Achilles tear at the position was Arian Foster and his career basically ended because of it but he was also 29 he did, probably didn't have much left in the tank to begin with um just sucks man I, I mean in terms of you know I think we can talk more in depth about how the Rams will replace him in the future but I, the most immediate thing was Adam Schefter reported that there are not currently any plans to make a move uh, to add depth to the team right now, they're they're running back pool without Acres. They've Daryl Henderson. Obviously, it seems like the incumbent starter Xavier Jones is behind him. Jake Funk, who they just drafted, um, be the third string guy, and then they also have Raymond Calais, who I don't think will really factor in. He they brought him as more of a special teamer. They say they're not gonna add anybody today, but. Like, what do you want? Like, it'd be pretty shitty if they came out and said, yeah, we don't trust our running back room. We're going to look to add somebody. Like, it would be silly to do that, and it would also just be insane to not, you know, consider adding anybody. You just lost your top running back. Um, You have to add somebody. (laughs) Like, you can't just not add anybody. And, I mean, you could talk about who we think that they could add. I mean, I think... Obviously, the guy's being thrown out. Adrian Peterson's available. Le'Veon Bell's available. Uh, Duke Johnson's available. Todd Gurley's available. Um, if they were to look for a trade, James Robinson will be a name that people throw out, but I don't think that's really realistic. I If they were to do a trade, the, the most viable option to me would be a guy like Melvin Gordon, who they they brought in a replacement but he's not like James Robinson where he just had an incredible rookie year you know Melvin's in contract year and is not young per se for running back um I'm they would Denver would probably consider taking some value for him um but they have to add somebody right I know they're saying they're not going to but I wouldn't imagine they'd say anything else today it's it's July it's July 20th like they don't need to add somebody this week yeah, I, I think that the idea is, um, like you said, I, I don't think they're gonna bring, uh, they're gonna announce to everyone. Well, we we don't have a lot of confidence in in the running back core we have right now, so we're we're for sure gonna uh, bring in you know a couple of guys. I mean, that's like a slap to the face to the to the running backs or the you know everyone behind Acres anyway. I do think that they're very high on Daryl Henderson. I do think that they figured to get some playing time to guys like Xavier Jones, maybe Jake Funk. But 
I think it would also be foolish of them to not at least consider adding a veteran or because honestly there's there's quite a few guys available you know this the kind of the depreciation of the value of running backs is kind of to the Rams benefit here because there's a lot of quality guys that are still available out there so you don't necessarily have to make a trade but you know there there are some pretty big names out there including like you said uh Todd Gurley, Duke Johnson, so on and so forth. So um all these guys you can get for relatively cheap. So if if salary cap is what the Rams are kind of worried about, I don't know if that's going to be an issue, but yeah, I I'm in favor of adding at least somebody. It doesn't have to be a bona fide starter because obviously uh, you have a, a complimentary back and Daryl Henderson still on the roster that, you know, we saw last year who could take the reins of a game at any point and just be a, a, a fantastic running back. But also kind of like Akers, uh, Daryl Henderson has had an injury history as well. So it would be in the Rams' best interest to add somebody and hopefully soon because obviously it's not like you can just get a, any running back and say, okay, here's the playbook. Uh, yeah, go 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 run now. That that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I don't think they're gonna even call Todd Gurley. Um, and I don't know if he would come back. Um, with how it ended, but like he he's not the runner he used to be. But just you think about the value of playing in this offense, knowing this playbook, um, in, you know, that doesn't mean that he's going to get out there and even look like he did two years ago as a runner, but you know, as, as a, in pass protection, which is something that is an underrated asset in this position. He was a good pass blocker. Um, he was really good in 2019 when they really needed him to be, when the, the line was a mess. Um, I would hope that they would at least explore it. Like I think he that if if assuming he's not going to command much money, um, that is for sure the best plug and play option of the free agents you have here. Um, for me, really, just because he knows the offense and he can step in and pass protect. And you know, he you look at his tape from last year; he's not the guy he used to be as a runner, but he's not completely. I don't think he's completely cooked. I think it's crazy that he's not in the league currently. Um, I think Adrian Peterson would add value as well. Uh, I, I think out of the three, Le'Veon Bell might be the, the most cooked, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, he, I, I wouldn't hate the signing. Um, you just, I like Daryl Henderson. I'm, I'm high. I'm high on him after last year. He had a lot of great flashes, but like you said, his durability is a huge issue. Um, he hasn't really been able to stay completely healthy, and he just, he's not gonna be your bell cow back i you if they thought he was ever going to be that they wouldn't have drafted cam Akers last year um we talked about at length how that was a luxury pick if they really believed in anderson to be the every down back um then then cam Akers would never been here and i don't think that's i'm not saying that they don't believe in henderson at all i think they believe in him a lot i think he would have played regardless of if Akers was out there but um he's obviously going to play a lot i think no matter what happens he's the 1a back but I think they're going to want that 
maybe not a 1B back, but a, a second option that they can rely on and actually play a decent amount. Maybe it's Xavier Jones, but history, I mean, to me, history tells us that when they've had backs on the roster that were unproven that they claim they liked, uh, when Todd Gurley went down in 2016, they had John, Cal- John, um, John Kelly, who we liked a little bit, and they signed C.J. Anderson off the couch and gave him every carry. So I just I don't believe that this is the group they're going to go into the season with. I'm sure they'll sign a camp body if they really like these guys, but I think they're going to add a vet. And I feel like you kind you kind of have to um, as a contender. It just feels like it would be silly to not add a a guy who can at least bring in experience and you know can do something. And like there's not a lot of risk to signing any of those guys. You know, if you sign Todd Gurley. I think he's the only player that's available that, like, if you call Todd Gurley and sign him, he's here for the whole year no matter what because you cannot go back to that well and cut him. Like, you just can't. There's no way they would ever do that. With everyone else, like with an Adrian Peterson, with a Le'Veon Bell, if it doesn't work out, you just cut bait. Like, no problem. So I, I don't – I think they, they, they're definitely going to add somebody. I just think it'll be, you know, a couple of days if, if it's a free agent. They're not going to add somebody tomorrow. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Todd, uh, I I personally think Todd Gurley would be ideal, like you said, because of the uh, history with the Rams. He understands the playbook, so on and so forth. Um, I would say from a talent perspective, I'm kind of actually hoping for a guy like Duke Johnson, a guy that um, is very competent in the, in the backfield as a receiver, uh, excellent runner, you know, uh, very underrated guy out throughout his career because he was never really the top guy in any offense. But, um, you know, I, I think he has durability issues as well. So that's, that's kind of the other thing with, with a lot of these free agent running backs. It's, it's, um, some of them is because of injury history and, it's just it's just interesting. It, it's really interesting to see who's available. I, I think there's, like I said, a, quite a lot of talent available. You don't necessarily have to trade. Uh, obviously, if if the Rams could uh, get a trade, like a remarkable trade for um, Robinson, I think that would be awesome. But um, I I think realistically speaking, a signing would probably be cheaper and do more doable down the road so yeah I, but then again we have less need as a general manager so there's that i mean well let's like just some hypotheticals would you trade a second round pick for james robinson Whew, uh i i kind of want to say yes but the problem is it, it, if you're doing that, you're essentially saying that you're giving up on Cam Akers already. Uh, Agreed. Because, yeah, I mean, James Robinson isn't a guy that you invest in, uh, especially a second-round pick, and then say, okay, well, you, you served your year, okay, uh, bye. You know, Obviously, if you invest that much – you're going to you're going to invest in him as a player as well. So then you have an even bigger situation in one last draft pick to work with. So it it's 
it's not as simple as people think. It's not like, oh, here's a second round pick. Give me James Robinson. You have to think about the future as well. It's a it's an easy fix for 2021, but beyond that, that's where it gets a little dicey. And yeah, you you got to think about the future because the Rams have already kind of given away a lot of their future as well. Yeah, and I mean, and I I think. I don't know what the fuck Jacksonville's doing, but I actually think they'd still like James Robinson, even though they drafted a running back in the first round. Um, I don't Stupid. think they're looking to unload him. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, but, you know, Denver drafted a running back in the second round. Uh, Melvin Gordon is, he's, he's got some wear and tear on those tires, man. Um, I think that if they look to trade for somebody who they think can step in now, um, really produce i think melvin is a more realistic option because i think you i don't know what um if denver would want to trade him but like i think his value right now would be a third round pick and i we're gonna have a lot of third round picks with all the compensatory picks and shit we get so um i wouldn't be opposed to to trading him or trading a third for a melvin gordon type guy it might even cost a fourth um, but if you were to add somebody that those are kind of the guys I like that. I think out of the free agents, Duke Johnson is the best player today, but I want a guy who like, if you need three yards, you're going to feel pretty good handing him the rock. And I think Adrian Peterson's still that kind of guy. I think Todd Gurley is better in short yardage situations than we give him credit for. He's even still guy still finds the end zone. Like it's nothing. He just, he doesn't have the burst anymore. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Le'Veon Bell for the last couple of years. I have no idea. Um, but, like, Robinson would obviously provide that, and I think Melvin would too. So, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting, but I, I think we're both fair. I mean, I'm pretty high on Henderson. I, I, I think he's going to have a good year in this situation, assuming he can stay healthy, which you, I don't know if you can assume. I just – I'm not a guy who's going to sit here and say Xavier Jones or Jake Funk are going to light the world on fire. Like, I – think the odds are they're not going to yeah it'd be strange but i mean hey that it worked for zach stacy that one year <laughs> it did work for zach stacy um, uh, let me ask you this steve uh if, if right now you have a less needs job who do you who do you go and sign or potentially trade for uh if if uh you have the choice i think the first thing i do is call Todd Gurley's agent and see if there's anything there because a sign like that, you know, it, it says you're confident in the guys in the room, but you're just adding somebody who you think will help um, and you're not giving up on Cam Akers. And if that doesn't work, I would call the Broncos. I would see what the price is on Melvin Gordon. If it's a price you can afford, I I, I make that trade. This is a team competing for a Super Bowl. He's still, I think, a, a good running back you know i think he's become kind of underrated given he's just kind of withering away in in denver um and that holdout certainly didn't help anything and if you can't afford him i i would just sign adrian peterson man i i don't know how much he has left in the tank but he is um he's a vet he would add a lot to your running back room um if anything a guy for the players to learn from um and I think he's still, you know, if you need if you need a guy to just kind of bruise his way to a, a short yardage situation, I I still think he could do it for you. Um, 
And I don't see a world where they call Adrian Peterson and it doesn't work out. I think that would probably be the end of the, the list. Uh, what about you? It sounds like you're on the Duke Johnson train. Yeah, as far as uh, as far as everyone else is concerned, I I do think that um, that Todd Gurley would be my top choice. Obviously, I, I think uh, I think for a lot of people it would be their top choice. And, and for those that are even suggesting, well, Todd Gurley um, is done. You know, he's not the same Todd Gurley. Well, yes, and that's why he's not going to cost you you know, tens of millions of dollars per year. So, um, yes, you have to go in with the understanding that this is a guy that is going to be a situational running back. And he's, I mean, he's still a very competent running back. He could still find the end zone, which is something the Rams struggled with last season. So um, I I think he'd be a welcomed addition. Now, whether or not he'd want to come back to Los Angeles, that's another question. Um, I, you know, it's hard to say because I do recall Todd Gurley saying that he, you know, this was a, this was kind of a a business move and he understood it, but it doesn't mean he was all that happy with it. So who knows? But if, if it were my choice, I would say either Todd Gurley or Duke Johnson, I would be happy with either one of those guys. Uh, Adrian Peterson, I'd be kind of afraid because while he he does play okay for his older age, um, I you know last season I just felt like he was not that great, and uh, I I think he can make some plays here and there, but he's just okay. I I think you're better off with like a Duke Johnson, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I like. If there's no other alternative, I guess. But um, I, I think I would even rather take guys like Chris Thompson over Le'Veon Bell. I just I, I don't want that drama here. I, he he just I mean he even had drama with the Chiefs last year, and, and it's just like do you, I I don't think we need that headache here. I really don't. Well, I think the thing with Bell is if any of these guys were to come in and just like light it up, he is the highest chance. But I don't believe in him anymore. I, I don't think he would. Um, you know, he ran, did not do much with the Chiefs last year. Uh, that was a good situation for him. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate any of these guys. I think they're all fine options. Um, I, I think Todd would come back. I think he is, he seems like a really chill dude. Um, and the fact that he's a free agent still right now. You know, it kind of seems like if he wants an opportunity to actually play, an injury would have to happen, and here it is. Here's his chance. Uh, I think he would. I think he'd. Leave, I think he'd come back. And teammates love him. Uh, I think they'd be happy to have him back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without a doubt. I, I think I think even to an extent, Sean McVay would love to have him back. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I think um, if he has no ill feelings, um, I think there's it's just a matter of what type of running back they want to complement uh, Daryl Henderson and if they prefer a younger back um, or somebody they can see like a, a, a third back in the future. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's such an interesting situation, but I guess we'll learn more in the next coming uh, weeks or two. Um, I, I don't know. There's not really a timetable for them to sign a running back, although personally, in my opinion, they should probably do it soon because, yeah, it, the season's, you know, quickly approaching. Yeah, next two weeks, I think. We'd see that happen. All right, well... <laughs> we got a whole other 45 minutes of podcast we recorded yesterday. Uh, we will talk to you guys about this more in the coming weeks, I'm sure, and tune in for Derek's pod to get more in-depth on this. But, hey, here's the podcast we recorded yesterday. Hit the music. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Budding Heads Podcast on Ramsong Radio, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I feel like I always forget to say that. Uh, I'm Steve Ribeiro, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, uh, it's July. You know, there there's not a ton of football to discuss that's going on right now. It's fantasy football Twitter. It's just filled with people just making horrible, horrible statements. And, you know, the one thing in news that came out this week is our dreams of Melvin Ingram are, are gone. He signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we will not get him. Jalen Ramsey said, congrats. I'll talk to you again in a year. <laughs> you know, I I kind of figured he wasn't going to sign with the Rams, but a, a man can dream. And uh, I I think that there just wasn't enough money to bring him in. I know we have a little bit of money, but I don't know if it was enough to sign him. Uh, uh, truthfully, I'm not aware of the contract details. So maybe we did, and and uh, <laughs> Les Snead just didn't think he was a, a good fit for the for the Rams defense, which I think would be absurd. But yeah, I I'm a little disappointed, but at the same time, I'm not entirely shocked. Yeah, I actually haven't um, I haven't seen a cap number, so I don't know if the the details of the salary are out there yet. But 
yeah, maybe, maybe he got more than you would expect for somebody that's still available at this stage in free agency, a high caliber player nonetheless. But I mean, the, the Rams had to have done their homework there. They had to have explored the possibility. I mean, I would hope, uh, I would hope they just didn't look at him and say, nah, we're good because, uh, a, like they've never been that kind of front office and be like, I don't know if we're good. He would have been a very nice addition. And he's going to be a nice addition in Pittsburgh. And to that, I also offer that we're most likely not going to get Richard Sherman either. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's gotten a lot more complicated. So <laughs> I don't I don't think he is going to sign for much money this season uh, after, the, after the recent events. Um, but anyways, yeah, so <laughs> there's all the current news and we are going to continue our schedule preview previewing every game, the Los Angeles Rams schedule this week. We're going with weeks five through eight. Uh, our podcasts are usually pretty long. Hopefully this one will be a little on the shorter side for you guys, but uh, let's get into it with a very familiar opponent. And just, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go check it out. We did the first four games. We each had the Rams going four and out. Uh, so about as Homer as we've ever been with these predictions so far, but this will be another, it's another tough game in week five. We are at Seattle on the road Thursday night football. I uh, Seattle, you know, it's like, there's all these like sexy teams in the off season that made big splashes or, you know, made deep runs in the playoffs. And, and then there's Seattle who unceremoniously got knocked out in the first round by us, uh, in a game where our starting quarterback was our backup quarterback and he got injured on like the first drive and Jared Goff with a beat up hand successfully defeats Russell Wilson in a playoff game on the road. But it's, they're still, they're still Seattle, man. They went 12 and four last year. Uh, they, they have all, they're always in the mix for a playoff spot, you know, with Pete Carroll and with Russell Wilson, there's, there's not really a lot of reason to believe that they wouldn't be in the mix again this year. Uh, since 2012, they've made the playoffs every year except 2017. They've had a winning record every year. The last time they had a losing record was 2011. So, I mean, just it's hard not to really expect greatness from these guys. This offseason, they, they, they lost a couple staples of the team, albeit on the, you know, coming dip down from their prime. I would say Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, KJ Wright, Bruce Irvin, all gone. Uh, Mike Ayupati retired. They did bring in Gabe Jackson, Alden Smith, our guy, Gerald Everett at tight end. Um, but you know, a lot of it with this team feels the same. And I guess like my question to you is Johnny, it's there's I, like, do we expect more of the same? Is this again, a 10 to 11 win team that is, in the playoffs, but also maybe not a team you expect to make a ton of noise when they get there, or is or will things be different this year? I'm I'm actually expecting about the same. I, I will say that I like the Gabe Jackson uh, addition. I think that's a a wonderful addition. I'm still questioning the Raiders for doing that, but um, that's easily an upgrade if you ask me. And, you know, one of the things that Russell Wilson has always been dreaming of is at least a a semi-decent offensive line. While this doesn't make the entire offensive line, obviously, it at least somewhat improves it, kind of. 
Um, but other than that, yeah, there's not much to what they accomplished this offseason. I expect more of the same. It's still a very, very threatening offense and an average defense, if you ask me. Um, this is definitely not the Legion of Boom era. Uh, still a very dangerous team overall and not one to overlook. Uh, I mean, all you really need is Russell Wilson on your team and, and you have a, a solid unit already. And um, I, I think as long as the key components of their team stays healthy, like Chris Carson, uh, this, this is a very dangerous team. Um, that being said... I don't know if there's really anything that's that you can say is something that they actually expanded or got better at, um, which is not terrible, I guess, because they're already a good team. But yeah, it's just it's an odd team, and I think we'll learn more about this team. Uh, you know. W- after like the first week or two, if this is the same or a similar team. But as far as uh, how they match up against the Rams, well, these are two teams that that constantly play each other very tough. <laughs> and it's always a very entertaining matchup no matter what. So um, lately the Rams have, you know, had, had a nice edge over them, but we'll see. Uh, I, I think um, this should be interesting to see how the this Rams offense pairs with their defense and vice versa. Uh, me personally, I'm just gonna get right into it. I, I think um, the Rams are gonna pull a win over this one. I, I know this is uh, in Seattle, correct? This is in in Seattle. Yeah, had to make sure I wasn't on mute. That was why I was slow. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, in Seattle, it's never easy, especially because this year. They're fans, so that's going to make all the difference as well. Uh, but I think the Rams just uh, might have the edge over them again. Uh, again, nothing that's really all that different from this team that can make me change my mind about this. So I, I got the Rams 27-20 uh, here. Um, what's your thoughts, Steve? Well, there there really isn't a lot different about this team, but... You know, it's it's easy to look at a team that hasn't, you know, they've won what, one playoff game in the last, uh, since, since 2016, but they're still usually there. Uh, they made the playoffs three of the last four years. All four years they've had a winning record. Um, un, under Pete Carroll, they've finished worse than second in the division one time, and it was in 2011. And like, like I said, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's, he's still great. He's inconsistent, but you know, we're not talking like an Eli Manning type inconsistent guy here. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks of his era. Um, you still got a lot of talent on that offense. You know, Chris Carson's there. Even if, even if he can't stay healthy, maybe Rashad Penny stays healthy and, and finally emerges. Um, they got a good receiving core, DK Metcalf, you know, one of the best young receivers in the league. Tyler Lockett, I think it's pretty underrated. Um, they drafted Dwayne Eskridge. They signed Gerald Everett. They still got Will Disley. It's a, it's a pretty good offense and not a bad defense either. It's it's still a good team. I'm, I mean, We'll talk about them. We're going to have to talk about them again. But I actually think 
on the road. This is a Thursday night football game. It's going to be a packed house. This is a team that we beat in the playoffs last year. I think there might be out for blood. I actually think they win this game. I go 31 to 27 shootout. Great Thursday night football contest. Uh, but this is the Rams first loss to me. And had I picked a loss in their first four games, because predictions at this point are a little dumb, but they're fun to make. Like if I picked a loss against Tampa Bay, I probably put a pick to win here, but um, you know, the Rams are not going to go undefeated. We're going to have to pick them to lose some of these games. Right. I was totally expecting 17 and 0. <laughs> yeah, you might do it. You never know. Um, the Stay tuned, I, guys. The do one, you want to go 17 and 0? And the one interesting thing uh, before we move on from Seattle that we didn't mention here was maybe the marquee, like low key, the marquee move of their offseason was they got rid of former Rams offense coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, who, if you watched the. St. Louis era Rams, you probably like us are in disbelief that he's been still getting offensive coordinator jobs in the NFL. And they replaced him with Shane Waldron, who was our passing game coordinator last year. Now it's like, it's hard to gauge really anything uh, about what a Shane Waldron offense is going to look like. But um, to go from a guy who was a staple of Jeff Fisher's coaching staff to go to a guy who was a staple of Sean McVay's coaching staff, you know, it makes me a little more optimistic on their offense and proving on a, and it's not like they were a bad offense uh, last year. They did. They only finished 17th in yards, but they did finish eighth in points. Um, but I, I'm curious to see how that plays out, man. I think a fresh off the coordinator is going to be great for, for Russ and, uh, and for a lot of those guys in that offense. You mean you don't miss shoddy? I do not miss <laughs> Although, in his yeah, defense, almost. though, like, he he didn't do a horrible job overall in Seattle. Um, he, he went full shoddy a couple times, but that offense was humming uh, during a handful of moments there. Well, geez, I, I mean, you only have one of the best quarterbacks <laughs> in the league, only have, like, one of the best receiving cores in the league, and... You know, when Chris Carson is healthy, you have one of the better running backs in the yeah, league. Yeah, you went from Marshawn. So, shit, if you can't do anything with that, I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is that is all valid. All right, so you got them 5-0. and oh, I got the Rams 4-1. and one. Uh, After this game, week six, we go cross-country to uh, my neck of the woods, Johnny, albeit in New Jersey. Uh, they play on the New York Giants, who – a team I'm honestly kind of fascinated by. Uh, they don't seem like that exciting to most people. I'm, they're not that excited about them, but I'm really like, I think they they had an interesting off season. Uh, they went six and ten last year. Uh, believe it or not, I'm, I'm they 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 were not eliminated in week seventeen last year, right? Like, they had a chance to make the playoffs. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They did, and then... uh... And then you had a interesting situation in Philly. Yeah, 
Taylor, yep, yeah, Taylor Heineke won that game. <laughs> Jalen Hurts got benched. Um, but nonetheless, 6-10, and 10, which is not great. But they had a lot of injuries. Um, this offseason, they, they re-signed Leonard Williams to a huge contract, shore up their defense. They signed Adore Jackson out of Tennessee uh, to a defense that already wasn't bad. Um, you know, a defense that's better than you you remember. They they finished ninth in points allowed despite a 6-10 and 10 record. Uh, sure as hell shut us down. And the the problem with their team was offense last year. And so what did they do? They signed Kenny Galladay to a four-year, $72 million contract. Uh, they signed Kyle Rudolph. They drafted Darius Toney in the first round. They already have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slade, and Evan Ingram in that receiving core. And they're going to get Saquon Barkley back, hopefully. Uh, there's been some not not too clear what his full status is, but it's hard to imagine he's not going to be out there week one. Um, and, you know, going from Saquon Barkley to Wayne Gallman is certainly a downgrade. Um, going from not having Kenny Galladay to having Kenny Galladay is certainly an upgrade. And they, they had their own issues with injuries in the receiving core last year. So what, what I like what they did because they basically are looking at Daniel Jones and saying, here you go, dude. I don't know what else you fucking want from us. Uh, either you're going to perform this year or that's it. Like we're going to move on. And I think that this is something Jet, the Jets never did with Sam Darnold. I think it's something that not a lot of teams have done with young quarterbacks. But, I mean, they're basically saying to him, you know, we're going to give you Kenny Galladay. We're going to draft We're going to draft receiver in the first round. We're going to bring in an, another veteran tight end. Um, so it's on him now. And, I mean, do you think – are you – I don't even say a believer that, like, Daniel Jones is going to be a star. Are you a believer that Daniel Jones will be good enough – to succeed in this offense and elevate this team, not necessarily to, you know, a, a contender, but a, a team that'll be in the mix for, you know, pushing for a division crown or being in the wild card hunt. You know, I, I do think that the Giants had an interesting offseason, like you said, and one of the most overlooked additions to any team is the addition of Galladay. Uh, personally, I thought. Galladay is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. And the fact that the Giants just kind of quietly signed him uh, is kind of a, it's kind of interesting. And I think primarily the reason is because not a lot of people have a, a lot of faith in, uh, in Daniel Jones for a good reason, honestly. Uh, one of the things that was abundantly clear about Daniel Jones for at least last year is his pocket awareness is just atrocious. Like, even going back to um, the game against us, he, you know, there was a couple of, of uh, guys wide open, I recall, and and he just flat out did not throw it to them. And that just, I mean, to be fair, Daniel Jones isn't exactly a veteran or anything. He's still a very young quarterback, but... I just honestly seeing him play, he he doesn't instill a lot of confidence in in me or or what he can do with this team. And um, while they did they did improve in a lot of areas of this team, 
Like you said, there are key guys coming back too, like Saquon Barkley, who is one of the better running backs in the league, if not the best running back in the league, if he can stay healthy. Um, so, you know, obviously he's going to try and come back with a vengeance. But one area they kind of neglected was their offensive line. And that was one of the key reasons why the Giants lost to the Rams was because their offensive line was atrocious too. And I just, I, I don't know, like, it, it's, it's such a weird thing. You, you add such, uh, such an asset in Galladay and who, as you mentioned, has a really decent receiving core even before Galladay. But you neglect one of the most important positions to any offense. And it's it's just weird. So that's another kind of knock against them. And plus, I'm still not convinced Jarrett, uh, Jason Garrett is a good offensive coordinator. I just <laughs> I just don't think he's that great. Felt like he was overrated in Dallas, and he's. <laughs> I think he's he's still overrated to be honest. I mean, if uh, if Jones plays bad this year and the offense doesn't work, they're probably both gone. I I would say so. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say so. And I think that this is going to be a, a very interesting game. Uh, but I think the difference here, because as you recall. Last year was last year. Yeah, last year. Um, the, the Rams didn't exactly dominate this game, which they were supposed to. Uh, a it, lot of that being Gosfall, to be honest. One of the worst performances by the Rams last year. It's it's unbelievable that they, they won. Like, they, <laughs> if there's ever an indictment on Daniel Jones, it's that he couldn't win this game. Like, they were the Rams the entire game were like, here you go. Here's the ball. Go go win, and the Giants were just like, nah, we're good. You guys, uh, you guys can take this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's exactly that re- reason why I feel like the Rams are going to win. I feel like this time around, um, I feel like this time around, this is going to be a slightly different because um, I, I feel like Matthew Stafford is is a much smarter quarterback and. Uh, while he does take risks at times, and uh, let's let's not take anything away from the Giants, their defense is really um, underrated, particularly their secondary. So this is not uh, don't expect like Stafford to fling the ball for like 500 plus yards or anything like that. Uh, so I, I I have the Rams winning this game, uh, 24 to 17. I just I I can't say that a Daniel Jones. Uh, led team is going to beat the Rams. Yeah, I got the Rams 20-13 here. I, I actually think it's going to be a decent game. It's at MetLife, across the country. Um, a defense that took care of us last year. Obviously, we're a much different offense, but I, I do agree that it's it's, it's not a bad defense, and I, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. It's um, Just to wrap it up on Jones, like <laughs> he had seven games last year where he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Like That is nuts for a quarterback in 2020. And he, it, like, I, 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 but I don't know. I, like, I, I am not ready to say that he is going to be good, but I actually kind of think the Giants are going to be a sneaky, sneaky team this year. Um, 
I think they're going to be competitive in a lot of games. And I think that if, if the Cowboys can't run away with this division, you know, if, if they are, if they're a letdown of a team, because I, I don't really see, you know, the best case scenario for the giants is what 10 and seven, like absolute best case. Um, if Dallas can't take care of this division, I think the giants could be in the mix for, for a division title. Even if Jones is just fine because the guys around him, like if, if Saquon's healthy and if, Galladay's healthy they're good and in a way like if if they if they succeed in spite of Daniel Jones it's it's almost like a bad thing that they're good because they can't just get rid of him and move on so I don't know um but I think this team's gonna be decent and I actually think Jones will be okay not good I'm not ready to say he's gonna be good but I think he'd be okay and you know the Rams we know from experience the the Rams made the playoffs and won a playoff game with Jared Goff last year, and he was absolutely not it. And I think Daniel Jones could play at that level, if not better. All right, the next game we got, this one I'm excited to talk about, Johnny. Jared Goff will be making his debut in front of fans at SoFi Stadium playing for the Detroit Lions. Imagine if I told that to you. Two years ago, uh, no fans, and he's on the fucking Lions. Um, the Lions last year, they went 5-11. and 11. They finally fired Matt Patricia. They bring in Dan Campbell. But obviously, you know, we talked about, obviously, the big thing that new move they made was dealing their franchise quarterback, Matthew Stafford, to us. Uh, first time since 2008 that he won't be on the roster. That's a long time. Think about where the world was in 2008. Think about where the Rams were. Uh, we hadn't even drafted Sam Bradford yet. So that was a long time ago. Um, but we talked about the Jared Goff trade, obviously, a lot from our perspective. From the Lions' perspective, do you, did you think this was a good trade? In return for Matthew Stafford, they get Jared Goff. Um, they don't take on the full brunt of his contract. We're obviously eating a lot of it. And they get two first-round picks. Uh, probably going to be later first-round picks. But, you know, there's a world. I don't think it's a world that's going to come to fruition where that 23 pick is not a bad pick if if everything goes wrong for the Rams. But I, I would expect both those picks to be in the 20. Either way, though, you get two first and you get Jared Goff. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, looking at it from the Lions' perspective, Obviously, they nothing was really working for them with Matthew Stafford, and that's not really a knock on Matthew Stafford as it is really the organization, honestly, because Matthew Stafford is a hell of a quarterback, and for any for anyone to really say that a quarterback is really good on nothing but terrible teams just kind of really puts to light how inefficient your franchise is. And in this case, it, it's it's like a fresh start because even for the Lions, it, it's it, Jared Goff is not their, their uh, franchise quarterback. He's not their future. He's basically an add-in. Um, uh, although it, it, he's not a bad quarterback to have, Instead of just kind of starting from scratch, maybe drafting a um, drafting a quarterback this this year instead of an offensive lineman, I, I think this is 
this was probably the best case scenario for them. So, um, you know, it, it, in the end, I feel like they did get something out of Stafford. And while Jared Goff might not be the quarterback of the future, he's a nice plug-in player. And then you get two future first-round picks who, who knows, maybe they turn out to be uh, difference makers. We, we can't tell the future. But right now, I feel like as of this moment, both sides got something out of it. Um, who wins the trade? That that'll time will tell on that one. But um, yeah, I'd I'd be I'd be happy about the trade to be honest. I I I really would. Yeah, I think like no matter what happens, you can't look at this trade and say the Lions fucked up um, because they gave up a quarterback who they had for years. It never happened. It wasn't his fault, but the direction you're going as a franchise, it makes no sense to keep on the roster. You get two more first round, you get two first round picks back back for him. Uh, and you get Goff. And like, let's say if Goff comes out this year and plays exactly like he did last year, um, you, you probably still have him on the roster in 2022, looking at his salary. You can, uh, you, you have an out at the end of 2023. You'll, you'll eat some dead cap, but it's not the end of the world. Um, so, it, 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 at worst case scenario with Goff, you have him for this year. He stinks it up. You get a very good pick. You draft a new quarterback. Goff's still on the team for 2022 probably, but it's fine. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, he knows the deal. I'm sure he knows if he sucks this year, he's probably not going to be their quarterback. Um, but, I mean, best case is he, maybe he does become your franchise quarterback. You know, this is a guy who – two years ago was a pro bowler playing in a super bowl. Do I think he's going to get back to that level? Absolutely not, but it's not impossible. Um, he's still really young and you know, maybe a fresh change of scenery is, is what he needed. I think it's a home run trade for the lions, no matter what happens with, with Goff. And if Stafford wins an MVP in a super bowl this year, then we win the trade, but that doesn't mean that the Lions will regret it. It's a hard trade for them to sit there and regret because if they didn't make the deal, they're still not going to do anything this year. Now, we, when we come to like looking at Goff and what we expect from him this year, that offense is just so bad, man. It's so bad. Um, they did draft... Uh, we, why, why am I free? Who is it? Penny Sewell. They drafted Penny Sewell in the first round to bolster their offensive line a little bit. They do have DeAndre Swift, uh, who I think is a blossoming running back. They signed Jamal Williams, who's a great backup running back. But when you look at the receiving core, man, you lose Kenny Galladay and you lose Marvin Jones. Even Lou Muhammad Sanu, who doesn't really matter, but is just another guy. And to replace them, they sign Tyrell Williams, Brashard Perriman, and they take Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. It's and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that they do have TJ Hawkinson, who I think is a good tight end, but it's just not a good situation for Jared, man. It's it's hard to imagine you know, it's not hard to imagine him putting up some decent numbers in garbage time, but it's it, it is really hard to imagine this being a good football team this year, and it's hard to imagine this being a productive passing game. Just given, you know, what Jared had last year and how he performed versus 
like throwing the ball to Tyrell Williams and Brashard Perriman. I mean, unless Amon Ross St. Brown is really just a gem, like an absolute fucking diamond home run pick on day three, I just don't see a world where this is a productive passing attack. Uh, to tell you the truth, I kind of like Tyrell Williams, to be honest. Uh, I mean, do I like- he's all right, like, but he's going to be their number one option. He didn't play last year. I, 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 I think he's he's a interesting player to watch for, but is he a, a Galladay? No way, no way, not even close. Uh, but yeah, I. <laughs> Good luck, Jared Goff. You you went from one extreme to another here. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it it's it's not. Not gonna be funny. He is a good running back, though. At least, um, I good to any, yeah, better than Higby, I would say. Um, but also you know, hasn't proven too much. And for the rest of the team, they built um, the GM Brad Holmes, who also came from us. They they hired Dan Campbell as their head coach. One of one of the absolute most suspect hirings of the offseason. but they put together a really good coaching staff i think around him they bring in anthony lynn from the old chargers head coach as their offensive coordinator uh campbell brings with him aaron glenn who's a up-and-coming uh defensive mind used to play in the nfl he's their defensive coordinator they take aubrey pleasant uh from us who was a candidate to be our defensive coordinator uh he comes in he's one of their top guys on the defense they bring in dom capers as a senior advisor which is definitely not nothing um, for that role, you know, that guy's a legend defensively, uh, the trade for Michael Brockers. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I think they are putting Campbell in a position to succeed as a head coach because he can just kind of be the, the rah, rah football guy. And that's not unvaluable to have a coach that players love going to bat for, even if he's not, um, necessarily calling much if there's a guy that can get you to run through a wall for him that's an asset and he seems like he could be that kind of guy or he seems like the guy who just could be an absolute fucking flop as a head coach it's easy to be the rah-rah type coach football guy mind when your team is winning i don't think this team's gonna win a lot this year do you think there's any chance this team surprises people because i think they're gonna be one of the worst teams in football no i I definitely think this is gonna be one of the worst teams in football. It's, uh, I, I feel like their their culture is on an upswing, which is nice um, for fans to see, I imagine. But uh, um, do I think that they're going to do anything in 2021? Most likely not. They, they have some nice pieces here and there, but it's just not much. And in the end, I think they're just going to be looking at an, another top 10 draft pick. Yep. Yeah, I got to, you know, I think Jared Goff does not come in here. He's going to come in here motivated, and I think Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are going to come in here more motivated. I think Matthew Stafford is going to come in way more motivated. He's also better. I think the Rams win this game 31-15. to 15. I think it's going to be a rough year for Detroit, but I, I hope Jared plays well enough to keep his job. 
Well, I, I feel like even if Jared Goff flops this year, uh, I still think he's probably going to have his job next year. Uh, at, at the very least, they, they'll probably draft his repla- eventual replacement if, if the worst comes to worst. But, uh, yeah, I actually have the Rams winning as well, 34-14. It's, it's not going to be a fun game for, for Jared Goff. And, uh, although I, I have to say I do think Michael Brockers is motivated to sack uh, Matthew Stafford, so there's that. You're not wrong. Hey, my, it, <laughs> it'll, get a, it'll get a nice sack late in the third quarter when they're down 30. Um, I mean, like, in terms of Jared Goff being the starter next year, he, he, there's a good chance, yeah, he starts week one no matter what happens. But it's it's just tough if you're one of the worst teams in the league and you don't have a quarterback that you invested in. And I don't necessarily won't say, sit here and say the Lions invested in Jared Goff because they didn't really. Um, it's tough to justify not drafting a quarterback. I mean... Washington drafted Chase Young last year. It's going to be an all-pro. Going to be a really good player. If you're Washington and the Chargers called you today and say, you can have Justin Herbert, who you could have had at that pick, in exchange for Chase Young, I mean, they probably accept immediately, right? Because it's just that much of a value discrepancy between quarterback and everything else. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, although I don't know if you have buyers or most for uh, Chase Young. Not really, no. But like uh, that is that is hindsight is fucking like twenty twenty. No scratches on these glasses. Uh, you could see everything. You didn't know Justin Herbert was going to turn out like that, and they they could have had Tua and Ben. And no, not that I'm out on Tua. I'm in the same situation. And then there's like the flip side where the Giants drafted Saquon Barkley, but they better off with Sam Darnold. No, but they would have been better off with Josh Allen. Um, so it's it's all hindsight. But yeah, they're not going to regret picking Chase Young. It's just you know it's a hypothetical. Um, I mean I. Lines of the third pick last year. Maybe they should have just taken Justin Herbert. Week eight, Halloween, Johnny, and one of the just <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this team. They're going to Houston. They're playing the Texans. Maybe the only team on our schedule that is gonna might be worse than the Lions. Last year, they finished four and twelve. Bill O'Brien's tenure as head coach went up in absolute flames, if it wasn't already on fire before that season. They're maybe the most important player in the history of their franchise. JJ Watt is gone. He goes to the Cardinals, joins our division. And how do they replace JJ, Johnny? They signed 30 players. 30. They signed, and only one of them is making more than $10 million in 2021. Can you name the player that they signed the most money? It's hard to remember exactly who they signed. They signed so many. The only guy they signed who's making more than $6 million this year. Wow. Go ahead and tell me. Tyrod Taylor. I should have saw that coming, actually. They're they're marquee signing. I'm just going to name you all the players that they signed because it is just insane. Tyrod Taylor, 
Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead, Andre Roberts, Chris Moore, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief, Chris Conley, Paul Questenberry, Justin McRae, Lane Teller, Cole Toner, Justin Britt, Malik Collins, Vincent Taylor, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Jordan Jenkins, Christian Kirksey, Camus Gruger-Hill, Joe Thomas, Derek Rivers, he played for us last year, Tate Davis, Hardy Nickerson, Terrence Mitchell, Tavier Thomas, Desmond King, Traymond Smith, Terrence Brooks, Cameron Johnson. Now, I know what you're thinking at home. Those are 30 players. You're probably thinking, well, there's a lot of young players that got cut for various reasons. Maybe the Texans, in a year that they probably don't expect much, are just going to throw a bunch of shit at the wall, see what sticks. Maybe look at a young, diamond-in-the-rough young guy that'll just come in and shock people. Nope. Eight of these players are 30 or over. And most of them are 28 and over. Not that that's that old, but there is not nobody younger than 25. Not a lot of 25-year-olds in this mix. Um, <laughs> they, they, they made a couple trades. Most notably, they traded a sixth-round pick for Ryan Finley and a seventh-round pick. And they cut him two months later. So they eventually just burned a six-round pick for absolutely no reason. They didn't have a pick in the first two rounds, despite being the one of the worst teams in football. Uh, their first pick was in the 67th round. They drafted a quarterback, Davis Mills, in the third round, despite all these other needs, despite signing Tyrod Taylor to be this their guy this year. They took a quarterback. <laughs> they need a new head coach, Johnny. Do you even remember the name of the guy they hired? Not a clue. I, I completely forgot. They hired David Culley, um, a football lifer. Good for him getting his first head coaching job in the NFL. That being said, he is 65 years old. He's been a coach in the league for 1994. On uh, Never been an offensive coordinator. Uh, his highest rank was last year. He was Baltimore's assistant head coach and their passing game coordinator. So he was the Baltimore Ravens passing game coordinator. He has never been an off head coach in the NFL. Never been an offensive coordinator. He's 65. Like, do we think that teams just missed it with this guy for that long? Like, probably not. Um, and we didn't even get into Deshaun Watson before we even touch the Deshaun Watson stuff, like, what the fuck are they doing? What is any of this? None of this makes any fucking sense. I mean, that's not even to mention that they uh, they didn't even have a first round pick. So. Or a second round pick. Yeah. Their so. first pick was Davis Mills. I mean, un unless... You are just in love with the guy. And maybe they are. I don't know. Third round quarterbacks, like Russell Wilson's, do not come around often. It's hard to find your franchise quarterback in the third round. And you would think they already addressed the big Deshaun Watson elephant in the room by signing Tyrod Taylor. You have all these needs. You address, you, I mean, you address everything in free agency, uh, but also simultaneously address nothing. It, did you really need to take a fucking quarterback? Like, no, no move. The only move they made that made sense, really, 
beyond like a cup, like I, I like the Philip Lindsay signing, but then they turn around and they also sign Mark Ingram. They also sign Rex Burkhead. Like, like the Tyrod Taylor signing made sense if like given the situation, but did you need to do another move at quarterback? Like it's just it's fucking wild. The offseason they had. Well, it's certainly one to remember. I mean, I, I feel like what they ended up doing was they're like, well, shit, we have all this money. Let's go shopping. And so they did. They didn't get any. I mean, they didn't really get like any home runs, really. At least not not in my opinion. I mean, they got they got a couple of solid guys and a couple of guys with potential and a couple of, and and mostly crap, really. But, uh, yeah, if you got money, why not spend it? So, and, and who could blame the free agents, really? I mean, the guys that would absolutely make a difference are seeing the only players that had any sort of relevancy to the Houston Texans, you know, leave. And, and then there's a whole Sean Watson thing. And then they're seeing the coaching staff and then seeing, all this ordeal happening, who's going to want to sign there? Like, what difference maker is going to be like, yeah, I can turn this team around? Yeah, right. Um, And I think they probably acknowledge that, and that's why they just signed 30 players, none of them which have done much no in the NFL. Um, But, I mean, yeah, like, I'm not going to sit here, we're not going to sit here and talk about how, I kind of like the Philip Lindsay signing for 10 minutes because that's a waste of our fucking time. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's just so wild. Like I, it's just the fucking weirdest offseason I've ever seen. And they would have been a lot better off if they just traded Deshaun Watson when he asked would have been much yeah. better off. Um, but they didn't. And here we are. And I mean, like I, we are not the people who, should sit here and dissect the Deshaun Watson allegations and court cases and how we feel about them. So we're not going to do that. But just like as a situation, he has to be traded. Um, nobody's going to trade for him right now until this stuff gets cleared up and they have an idea of what, what actually happened and whether or not he's going to get suspension or I, I don't know when it all it's not there. Nobody is going to give up the value that a player of his caliber is worth. I'm sure they could. I, I would guess somebody might still give up a first round pick for Deshaun Watson right now. Um, maybe worth the gamble. Yes. Maybe, but nothing more than that. Like when he demanded a trade, they could have gotten two minimum two first round picks. I mean, we got, we had to give up two to get Stafford. They probably could have gotten like four uh, and good players on top of that. And now that value is greater. So they're probably not going to trade him. And, you know, if you're Deshaun Watson, maybe you say, all right, well, I want to get paid this year. Let me go play. I don't think he can play. I do. I, the NFL, given their history of players with these type of allegations and how criticized they've been for it, they are not going to let Deshaun Watson play in week one. I I can't imagine he's on the field until – like, if if one woman of accusing you of something, that's one thing. He is being accused by 22 women. 
Um, you know, I'm inclined to believe that all 22 of them are not lying. Uh, I don't want to really get deep into it, but the NFL is going to take this shit seriously. Um, they're probably not going to let him play until there's some clarity on the situation and their investigation. Cause I'm sure they're going to conduct their own investigation is concluded. I think there's like, I don't think he see, plays anywhere this year, and he's probably just sitting on their roster for a full season. I just, I can't really see a world where even if, like, no matter what happens, like, there's no fucking way this guy is on the field week one, right? I, I cannot imagine it. I'd be entirely shocked if he is. Like, there, there's absolutely nowhere in my mind that suggests that this is a. A quarterback that's going to be starting week one or even week 17 for that matter. So it's going to be interesting unless by some miracle Deshaun Watson is cleared of all charges and, you know, everyone goes on with their lives. That's really the only way he sees the field at all. So <laughs> good luck to the Texans, man. They they need a prayer to get a, a victory at all in 2021. Yeah, I mean... If it turns out that all 22 allegations are, like, proven to not be true, which is not going to happen, uh, I, I I can't imagine everyone is lying. Um, like, there's just no way. And, and the NFL is going to – they're going to have to conduct an investigation. You know, with, with what happened with Ray Rice where they suspended him for two games and then the video came out. Uh, they will never take this shit lightly again, uh, especially with a player this high of a profile with this many accusers. There's no I, – I don't think he plays a snap this year, and I, I don't know when he'll be back on, on a field, um, if ever. He'll probably be back. I mean, he's too good to not be back no matter what happens with the court case. Everybody gets a second chance in the NFL. Talent prevails. He will play another snap in the NFL at some point. I'd be shocked if he didn't. I would be even more shocked. I think it's more likely that he never plays again than he plays this year, honestly. Um, as for my prediction, I think this is going to be the worst team in the NFL. I think the Rams win this game 38-13. to I really can't envision a world where this is close. That being said, we lost to the Jets last year, so you never know. Uh, you cannot take any of these games for granted after losing to an 0-13 Jets team last year. I envision John Wolford sees the field in this game. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Rams win 42-18. to I think the Rams could start Sean Manning in this game, and they'd still win 16-13. to <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that, that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did just... What a fucking weird offseason, man, for the Texans. Um, well, that was a, t- a lot of bad teams we got to discuss. Uh, next week, we can talk about like the Titans, 49ers. be interesting. Um, any parting thoughts before we head out of here? Just uh, we're, we're almost there, guys. August 14th is the start of the preseason, and I've never been so happy to say that. Ugh. We're so close. We're so close. Uh, two more weeks of schedule preview, and then we'll talk about the season. Camp will be starting. It's going to be great. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week, man. Don't forget to follow the show at Talk Rams on Twitter. Follow us at C. Rivero, at Johnny Fountain at 6. And if you haven't given the show a review on Apple Podcasts, 
please give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.